0: From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear
1: Radio. A 43 year old man killed three students and wounded five at Michigan State University, then predictably killed himself. And just as predictably, the media have given a platform to anti-gun activists who are calling for more gun control. Except these murders don't fit the preferred storyline, so the calls for gun control seem strange and contrived. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio, I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by award-winning journalist and gun rights activist, David Codria. Hi, David. Welcome to the podcast. Dean, thank you for having me on. Before we start, I just want to say I've been reading your articles for a long time. I think you do great work, and I particularly like that photo you use with your articles, where you're sitting in a chair and smoking a cigar, and you got a bottle of what I'm assuming is whiskey. Is that what that is?
0: No that, that that's a uh, that's that's a good bottle of Cabernet. That's a, that's a couple of years old because uh, I'm still wearing glasses and uh, and I haven't graduated to Malbec from uh, Cabernet yet. So,
1: well you're well you're wearing a hat, and you're wearing sandals. Very retro, stylish, I must say, and uh, you got a nice relaxed look on your face, but with a hint of menace. Which I like. I think that's appropriate. I'm just wondering where was that photo taken? Was that your backyard? or maybe that, a- that
0: is my backyard. I built that fire pit that I'm sitting on. it uh, it took seven tons of gravel to go around it and create a a, a fire perimeter around uh, Portland cement bricks that that stack around uh, three three bricks high. And uh, I have plenty of trees on my property. And I have plenty of storms on my property, so I never, never want for fallen branches and things like that that I can saw up and then let age and burn. So uh, having having a fire pit in the summer is a big part of what we do
1: here. Well, I wasn't sure exactly where it was. I thought, you know, maybe that was a minimum security state prison. I mean, what, what do, what do <laughs> I know? It could have could have been. So I want to get serious here, uh, David. Uh, we've been all reading about this. Uh, these murders at Michigan State University. You wrote an article for Amoland about it, and it's really there it was a forty-three-year-old. He killed three students, wounded five, and then killed himself. Now at this time, there's no motive that's known, but records show that this guy did previously plead guilty to a gun-related charge, and was sentenced to probation. But the story's a little unusual from the standpoint that it doesn't fit the preferred media narrative. So, that you know, the guy was black, so therefore he was not a white supremacist. He had two handguns, not an evil black rifle. The gun was purchased legally, so not at a gun show. And he was carrying a lot of extra magazines. So, no, he didn't have a 5,000-round uber-capacity magazine of death. David, do you sense that the media and gun control advocates... Are just disappointed with this incident?
0: That's 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 always the case when something doesn't advance the narrative. Okay. And in this particular case, yes, absolutely. He 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 wasn't a student. Uh, he, he wasn't uh, he wasn't a white supremacist. He didn't have a quote unquote assault rifle. And whenever I say that, just for the benefit of people listening. Uh, imagine I'm putting little air quotes in there, because I understand that assault rifle or assault weapon is a loaded uh, propaganda term, but we're just using it as, as a matter of convenience here. Uh, and yet, why he did it, I maintain, is really kind of unimportant to anyone who's intent on exploiting this situation, because you saw no sooner had it happened than the usual suspects started getting out on twitter and started getting out on social media and making their announcements and uh one of them about elise slotkin she said that she was just filled with rage okay uh governor whitmer of michigan called it a uniquely american problem uh Poe murray of the newtown action alliance says what will it take for congress to act boldly to protect our children and all of this is what we've heard a million times before and and the bottom line is what it will take for let's let's just take Poe murray you know she was out there uh complaining after california had had its recent uh, spate of shootings and calling for more and yet california is rated a number 1 in gun control by the brady campaign by every town by giffords they they have a grades and The bottom line is, I I tweeted her back. I said, you know, it's never going to be enough for you, is it? And of course, it never will be. They will never tell you when enough is going to be enough. In terms of Whitmer saying that this is a uniquely American problem, no, it's not. Uh, You know, she seems to forget and or intentionally not mention things like Beslan in Russia, uh, things like what happened in Norway, uh, things like what happened in Nigeria, and as a matter of fact, uh, Dr. John Lott, uh, everybody in the in the gun rights movement's favorite economist, has has basically proven with statistics that uh, you know that it's not a uniquely American problem that that we're not even highest on the list. So all these people that are that are trying to make political hay out of this are are essentially just repeating the same old lies and not saying what it is they want that would have stopped
1: this. Because, in fact, nothing would not they know it. Well, now, you mentioned the John Lott study and that this was something that he did in 2020. He was looking at a period from 1998 to 2017. And if you want to look up this study, it's called Comparing the Global Rate of Mass Public Shootings to the U.S.'s Rate and Comparing Their Changes Over Time. And he found a lot of really interesting things. Not only is the U.S. well below the world average in the number of mass public shootings, but the attacks in the U.S., according to his study, are less frequent and less deadly on average than happens around the world. He studied 101 countries, and the U.S. ranks 66th per capita for the frequency of these incidents and, and 56th. For the murder rate. David, that's not what we hear in the media, is it?
0: No, it's absolutely not. And then the other thing you don't hear in the media when these things happen, unless folks like you or I pointed out, is that these countries where this takes place outside the US already have the entire wish list that the gun grabbers here say they want to impose on us. And yet it doesn't work. It will still never be enough. You know, as well as I know, as well as your listeners know, that they're going to keep going incrementally. And every time you it ground on them, they're going to use that as a beachhead from which to then launch their next incursion against our rights. And uh, I did mention Paul Murray earlier of the Newtown Action Alliance, and one thing that I think is funny is that on her Twitter page, they list Newtown Action Alliance, uh, essentially I, I call them a self-admitted hate group, because they have they have a tweet that's posted there, and it says... Um, I'm trying to call it up right now, but my memory says it says retweet if you hate the NRA. And hold on a second. You know, I have my criticism as as do many with NRA as an organization. I, I think there are things that we see going on with the board and with management and with finances and with things like that. and 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 quite frankly, sometimes with uh, with ratings and and what was perceived as compromises. That's fine. But ultimately, I am the NRA. I'm a life member. I've been a life member of NRA since the mid-90s. Uh I was a member of uh the NRA members' council when I was living out in California, out in Los Angeles. I, I became an officer with the organization. I, I funded uh the the uh chat letter out of my own pocket and distributed, you know, copies, you know, stacks to local gun shops and things like that so that. People could learn about it, and get active with it, and come and join. So, yes, it's come up now. It says, RT, if you hate the NRA. Well, you're saying then, Ms. Murray and Newtown Action Alliance, that you hate me, that you hate Dean, that you hate every member of Buckeye Firearms Association, and you know basically every gun owner in America that, despite the admitted um, flaws that the organization has, You know, we have still come together under that banner and, you know, we we still would like to see the thing take off and survive and succeed uh, in spite of differences that we may have with certain personalities, because the concept is good.
1: So gun control advocates are, of course, calling for gun control after this incident. This is always the pattern that we see, but I'm a little confused about what they're actually calling for. I mean, this was a university. Didn't they already pretty much ban all guns on campus? I mean, with no exception whatsoever.
0: Well, the, the university itself has a policy, and and their policy says, except as permitted by state law regulating firearms. So they defer to state law. No person shall possess any fire or weapon, firearm or weapon anywhere upon property governed by the board. Well, you have to then go to state law, and state law basically says, yeah, you, you can't have it on college campuses. You can't have it in classrooms and you can't have it in dormitories. Therefore, uh, it it if you're going to be carrying on a campus in Michigan, you're going to be violating state law. The other thing they say is the use of any firearm or weapon is prohibited upon property governed by the board, except those areas specifically set aside and supervised at range facilities, part of education. And yeah, okay, fine. We know that. We know that This guy was not going to be deterred by gun laws because criminals never are. He wasn't going to be deterred by the fact that uh, if you want to remain law-abiding, you can't carry concealed, you can't carry a firearm at MSU, uh, and you can't use a firearm at MSU unless you're in an authorized activity. And the bottom line is, uh, you know, shooting people isn't authorized activity anywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the law. That should stop all this. You know, it's illegal to murder people. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I don't know how you go beyond that. I, and my understanding is he had his gun legally, right? Yeah, I'm not aware that he was carrying large capacity magazines. He just had a lot of extra magazines. In fact, according to one article, he had a lot of loose ammo with him anyway. I guess he was going to reload some magazines. So what law would have stopped something like this? I, I'm really confused as to how legislation was going to stop somebody who just got up one morning and decided he was going to shoot up a campus?
0: Well, I, I think that if we had a Bill of Rights culture where, uh, you know, people respected the Second Amendment, applied the Second Amendment, and we had that well-regulated militia that the founders in their wisdom decided was uh, necessary to the security of a free state, and if, you know, the the, the men on campus, the young men on campus we're more focused on that than, than they are on whatever the heck it is that they're focused on to be woke. Uh, it might be a very different situation that, that would help discourage uh, predators. And, of course, if, if predators weren't tolerated the way so much of society uh, tolerates them. However, uh, we, we're going to get into a, a little point here where I'm going to say something that some may find a little controversial, and and I'm prepared to defend it. So let, let me let me just kind of throw it out there that uh, there are people that are saying, "Well, see all these gun laws that that the gunman and, and gunman, of course, is a pejorative term, but see see all the see all the laws that that he was allowed to get away with violating it. They didn't prosecute him, and he should still be in jail." And I'm thinking, "Well, hold on a second, because at the time, what was the charge? It was what carrying concealed without a license." Yeah, I think he. Uh,
1: I think according to. One article, he had a, a small caliber revolver in his pocket. He he just happened to have it. He didn't use it in a crime, as far as I know. And 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 here's the thing: all the uh,
0: gun owners that are out there saying, "Well, he should have been in jail for that," I'm saying, you know, you, you you run into the enforce existing gun laws argument, and to me, that is arguably no different than than someone in the uh, in 1776 saying enforce existing intolerable acts because it's unconstitutional it's not what the founders intended and if it's a matter of well you didn't have a permit well you know in ohio now we have permitless carry uh when i was living in california uh I actually had death threats that, uh, and and the police, they they told me, and they had plausible deniability because the one guy told me in front of his partner, and I said, what am I supposed to do? You guys can't stop these guys from coming at me, and I have to lock the place up at night. And he said, sir, if I were you, I would carry a gun. And I go, oh, I, I can't get a gun out here in California to save my life, literally. Okay? And, and this was the beginning of, of an awakening process, and I did have to lock the place up at night. And, and I'm here to admit and confess that, uh, you know what? Yeah, I violated California law and I could have been in the exact same position where I would have been arrested for illegal concealed carry. And my hope is that the same people that are saying, well, the guy should still be in prison, wouldn't still be, say, you know, wouldn't be saying David Codria should still be in prison because what was the actual crime? Who was the actual victim? And in fact, you know, to, to me, knowing the totality of the situation, it would have been irrational and immoral for me not to take steps to protect myself. And you you run into uh, my bottom line philosophy. Uh, some people they they have it out on the uh, urban dictionary. They, one, one guy actually put it out there. He called it Codria's law. And it's essentially anyone who can't be trusted with a gun can't be trusted without a custodian. And if you think about that, it's uh it's actually more stringent but more demanding of the constitution than the way that we have things now. Because if you do something heinous, you essentially need to prove that you can be trusted to walk again among us before we'll allow you out. So it's not a matter of we know that you're dangerous and we're going to take your guns away, because we all know you can go get more guns anytime you want them. If not, we wouldn't have the murders every weekend in Baltimore and Chicago if that were actually a roadblock. Um Robert Kukla wrote a book called Gun Control back in 1979. I think it was. Have, have, have you read it? Um, I've I've not read that book. No. It's it's. I, I strongly recommend everyone interested in activism get it because it's just brilliant. It goes through the history of how we got uh, to hear from there. And he gives an example in there, and I can't quote it exactly, but but the bottom line, he's saying, imagine if you have a man-eating tiger. You're not going to sentence it to, you know, five years in a cage. And then once it sentences up, open the cage and let it back out again, because what's going to happen. Okay. And yet we see this time and again, and, and some people say, well, that's so severe. You can't just lock people up away forever. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, as long as they're a danger, a proven danger, and that can be established, it's now up to them to prove that they're not a danger. And the the benefits of doing it that way is instead of red flag laws is that in order to convict somebody, you need to afford full due process. And that's the difference between the way you do it when you criminally convict someone and the way you do it when you have a red flag law. And it just seems good enough to uh, go send the SWAT team out to confiscate the guns and hope they don't light the guy up.
1: David, when I'm doing interviews with the media, I'm sometimes asked what laws I would support to curb violent crime as if you know that's my responsibility. My response is always that I think we already have all the laws we need on violent crime. Like I said before, you know, it's illegal to murder people and 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 rob convenience stores and so on. How do you respond to questions like that?
0: Again, I I, I, I tend to agree that we already have all the laws that we need against violent crime. We have too many laws against gun ownership, and we don't have enough laws encouraging uh what the founders understood to be necessary to the security of a free state and i would love to see a militia system you know enacted again in this country something that has been intentionally allowed to flounder uh even u.s code they they have this meaningless terminology called the unorganized militia um How you can have a militia that's unorganized, I have no idea. But this would absolutely put things back within the purview of states, within the purview of counties, within the purview of cities and neighborhoods uh, to where you and your like-minded neighbors are essentially prepared in case of absolute emergencies. Imagine there's, you know, we just saw the, the derailment here in Ohio and East Palestine. Imagine something bigger. The grid goes out couple of days people are going to be starting to get antsy because they're going to be running out of food and water a couple of weeks and it's just going to be hell on earth I, th- I think that it, it doesn't take too much imagination to realize that your police and your fire departments and your ambulance services and your national guard are going to be extended beyond their limits to where the point of they're going to have to be triaged yet we have no way if they are triaged and we are cut off from everything, for my neighborhood or for your neighborhood to be able to maintain order and coordinate with the authorities and be able to report to the authorities and take instruction from authorities um, because we we just don't have any kind of uh, emergency preparedness response system in place that allows for neighborhoods to provide for their own security when law enforcement is just overwhelmed and can't. And, And I submit that it doesn't take too much imagination, particularly in this hazardous time that we're living in, where anything could happen, uh, to just conceive of the fact that this comfortable life we've been leading can be over tomorrow. And and it's just, there, there. there's no denying it unless you think that somehow or other, we are somehow unique in history.
1: Well, it was really interesting. Part of this story was, I guess, a text message went out. And it was telling people, run, hide, fight, which is a pretty typical thing that they'll teach civilians on how to handle situations like this. But there there was outrage over it. There were people who really got upset. And I get the sense that there are just some people who do not trust their fellow citizens. And that's something that I've noticed. When I go to a shooting range, I'm surrounded by people with firearms. And I'm completely relaxed. I have no problem with that at all. You know, I trust all of those people, but there is an element out there who do not trust citizens with firearms or any kind of authority. They trust the government or they trust whatever institution exists. But as you say, when those things go away, who do you trust? Doesn't it always come down to people one way or another?
0: Absolutely. Look, how, how is it that I'm going to get on the in my car today and drive anywhere and trust the fact that the guy in the oncoming lane isn't going to be deliberately swerving into me. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's like uh and, and yet these people that put their extreme faith in government and treat anyone who questions that as an insurrectionist, uh, it's just ridiculous. And and you'll you'll note that they all come from what's maybe meaninglessly called the political left or the progressives, again with quote to air quotes around it. Uh, and and these are supposedly the, the, the people that posture themselves as, as being power to the people type, and yet there is no more egalitarian power sharing arrangement than the right of the people to keep and bear arms. There's none.
1: And I, I found that really interesting because I've thought for a long time that this whole political divide between conservatives and liberals over guns is sort of strange I've got a podcast coming up with a representative from a liberal gun group. They're all liberals, you know, way on the left, but they all believe in the Second Amendment. And I've been fascinated with this idea because we're led to believe that, you know, guns, conservative, anti-guns, liberal, I don't believe that that's real. And I think that you're touching on something here that, you know, shouldn't liberals and progressives logically support personal gun ownership, just like those on the other side of the spectrum do.
0: You would think, however, and this is this is where I'm going to... um, I, I've run into this before on my Warren Guns blog. People from like the Liberal Gun Club or the Democrat Second Amendment supporters and all that. And it comes down to, well, okay, but how do you vote? And as long as you are voting for Joe Biden, you are aiding and abetting someone trying to disarm your fellow citizens. So you might say other other, you know, issues are more important to you. I submit there is no more important issue than being able to be personally and collectively secure in our persons, which only the 2nd Amendment can provide. And once you allow erosions into that, all of your other issues become vulnerable to domination by an armed majority. And so I, I have uh, kind of a problem with, with what they call gun culture 2.0 and, and saying, you know what, just because someone likes guns, it's not about guns, it's about freedom. And if, you, you know, if it's just about guns, if it's just that I like guns and you think, oh, welcome to the tribe, you're my brother. No, that's not the case. Because if it's about liking guns and being proficient with guns, I submit that we would have no better pals than David Chipman and Lon Horiuchi.
1: Do you think, though, it's possible somehow, and this is something I've been thinking about for many years, um, and I know I get the point that you're making, you know, how you vote and your beliefs on liberty and so on, that's very important, but the gun issue being solidly on the right now, do you think that there's some way for that to be uh, decoupled from conservatism, where it's you know something that is taken up as a, as a, a cause on both sides, or, or or is it just too good of an issue to to give up because everybody fundraises on this?
0: Well, we 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 see movement in that direction. We have for some time with uh, anti related John Brown Gun Club, and these are basically you know uh, you know young American commies, okay. Uh, so the thing is, what what do uh, collectivists do when they control the guns? They take them away from everybody else. So I can see them making noise that they want guns and all that, but there's no way they're ever going to stop calling us fascists and Nazis. And the reason that they're arming up is to bash a fash and to be able to do whatever they want in their, you know, occupied zones or unoccupied zones or whatever the heck they call them. Um, in, in terms of your more garden variety uh just happen to be socially liberal. Uh, I what what I'm seeing along those lines is that some people are waking up and, and being amenable to self-defense, but it's more than self-defense. And again, I just can't get away from the fact that if you say that you that you are for the right to keep and bear arms, and then you turn around and you elect politicians that are intent on not only eliminating that because you know, and I know, and everybody who's been following it knows that the increments happen to be going towards the end goal of total citizen disarmament. And that includes electing politicians then who are going to be appointing judges, who are going to be upholding whatever uh, infringement rulings uh, or whatever infringement legislation uh, the, these folks enact. So it's, it's awful tough to be able to separate the politics from it. I would like to think that everyone uh, can be uh, brought into the fold. I, I, I've taken people shooting. I, I was out at a range uh, in California many years ago, and a Santa Monica liberal was hiking through the woods, and he came across me, and and he'd never shot a gun before, and I I took him through from A to Z. Uh, ended up letting him shoot a Mac ninety. And, uh, yeah, this is, he, he was just, he was just having the time of his life. And I said, when you go back to Santa Monica, tell him, uh, that you, you know, shot assault weapons with an NRA member and you had a great time. And, and another was a friend, his, his wife, uh, her brother was a Japanese executive from Isuzu, you know, the car company. And he came over on a business trip and he'd never shot a gun before. And I took him to a gun range and here's this guy, you know, he's like in his forties, he's a high power guy. And he's shooting. He's shooting my. Uh, it was, I think, it was my Ruger uh, new model Super Blackhawk with a seven and a half inch barrel, forty four Magnum. And he's grinning like a kid in a candy store. Okay,
1: you you you've seen it before, haven't? That's you? that's always the way. Uh, you know, you take somebody to a range. Virtually everyone enjoys it uh, if you if you give them a good experience. I mean, you don't set them up with a. Fifty caliber handgun, so they bonk their forehead, you know, on the first not, shot. Not
0: initially. You, 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 bring, you bring them in gradually, and you let them know what sure. to expect.
1: But I guess what I'm—you know, I, I get what you're saying. It's just somehow I'm thinking that there's something there. I, I just—with a lot of issues, they're just so intractable. I have to believe that somehow that this is an issue that someday could be decoupled from the politics. I mean, look at hunting, for example. I just— minutes ago read an article in the Washington Post by Dana Milbank, okay, definitely a liberal journalist, and he was talking about how he just bought a gun and he's going to go deer hunting. And the reason that he gave wasn't about, you know, liberty and tradition and all that sort of thing. It was because of conservation, you know, the, the deer are becoming uh, just, just overpopulated and and they're destroying forests and all this kind of stuff. So you know he had sort of left-leaning reasons for doing it, but he was—he's going to do it. You know, he—he he got a gun, he's got a deer stand, he's going to hunt, he's going to you know render the deer and, and so on. And there, there is a lot of talk in the hunting community about how there are hunters out there who have completely different reasons for hunting, and that you know maybe that's okay—that they don't necessarily have to have the same politics as long as they get on board and uh, with with a lot of the the hunting initiatives. I'm just wondering if that could happen on the self-defense side with the gun-owning side, where just all of this really partisan politics becomes decoupled from the thing itself so that we're not constantly having this tribal war between factions.
0: I I, I think my experience with
1: this, and, and, and I wish
0: that I could sit here and agree with you, Dean, I really do, what, what what i'm kind of hearing though is is like when when they say something must be done okay what and and of course no one really has an answer to that and what i see is i see this is being used by the antis as a chance to divide gun owners and i see the extreme sport hunters the, the people that are disparagingly called fuds and they're called that because they're throwing the ebr the evil black rifle owners under the bus and they're 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 saying well yeah we don't need assault weapons and, and you can find giffords has a group uh and uh you know all kinds of little groups coming up uh, hunters for biden and and all that and and so i'm sorry but at that point you know again i i keep coming back to it's not about guns it's about freedom and you're right in a sense that it should not be about politics okay uh no one is a bigger critic of Republican failures to live up to a lot of the posturing and a lot of the support that they get from gun owners. That uh, than I am. I, I just did an article on Ammo Land about uh, uh, a Republican who is, you know, been continually sponsoring and co-sponsoring citizen disarmament laws and and asking the question. You know, with Republicans like this, who needs Democrats? And yeah, I I, I wish. Okay, but if wishes were fishes, man, you know, I'm just not seeing when you you have the, um, the gun owners that are hunters, that are sport shooters, that don't care about anything else but that, and they would be perfectly willing to allow a quote-unquote assault weapon ban as long as they get to keep whatever it is that they have. And it, it kind of reminds me, uh, I, I go back to the Odyssey and Odysseus and, and the Cyclops Polyphemus and uh, and basically, be you know, if you please me, I will eat you last, but they still intend to eat you guys. And, and you don't, you know, the, the, the people that are throwing others under the bus don't quite get that. So when there's a bill that comes up attacking hunting, okay, I don't hunt, but I'm the first one out there trying to defend what they're doing. You know, if, if there's, you know, a lead ammo ban, I'm out there trying to do what I can to disprove the data and to show where they're faking things. Even though, however, you know, it's being, you know, found pellets are being supposedly found in wild fowl and eaten by bald eagles. It doesn't affect my life one bit or another, but we have to understand that an attack on one is an attack on all. And maybe that's the way to get that gap bridged is to have people understand that an attack on one is an attack on all you can't have your own little niche over here and let them eat away at all the other niches and think that you're going to be safe
1: so going back to this um, these murders at michigan state this pattern that we see in the media where there is a shooting and people come out and you know they're they're telling their stories and they have the candlelight vigils they call for gun control it's it's a pattern that we see repeated over and over. Do you think that that's effective? Do you think that at some point this repeated pattern will eventually cause there to be some sort of assault weapons ban at the national level, or or do you think that it's just it's gotten so old at this point that it's just kabuki theater and a lot of people don't pay attention to it?
0: I think kabuki theater is probably a pretty good way to describe it. Uh, I I don't see it grabbing hearts and minds you're going to have your 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 core useful idiot fanatics that are out there doing things like die-ins where they all lay down on the ground and every time i see that i think you know i need my evil knievel costume and my motorcycle so i can do a jump
1: (laughs) well i'd I'd pay to see
0: that (laughs) and uh there's there's going to be no reasoning with some people that aren't amenable to listen to reason that, that are going to call guys like you or me murderers and racists, uh, you know, and, and Nazis and, and whatever other, you know, vile insult comes to mind rather than listen to reason because it's more effective on social media, I guess, for them to act like trolls and to try to come up with some, you know, uh smart aleck uh, rejoinder. And, you know, I I I don't treat this, though, as a debate, okay? I I, I never debate the Second Amendment or the right to keep bare arms with with the antis because to me, it's not debatable. I'm not going to give them and their points of view the credence of thinking that it deserves a debate. I'm going to lay out what I can demonstrate to you. And if you don't believe me, you can test what I say for yourself because I always include links. And I'm going to lay that out and now it's up to you. You can believe it or you can not believe it. But if you're going to come around and you're going to say things to me like, well, we need more gun control laws, I'm going to say, well, okay, let's, let's see what you got. And of course, they have, they have nothing because they, they can't prove that anything that they're recommending would do anything other than further restrict the quote unquote law abiding and have absolutely no bearing or impact on the predators that are left free to stalk among us.
1: Well, David, thanks for spending some time with us. Could you tell our listeners where they can read your articles and commentary?
0: Yeah, you know, I I guess the best, my uh, waronguns.com, that's my clearinghouse aggregator. And from waronguns.com, it's the War on Guns, Notes from the Resistance. And you can get to my articles that are on Ammo Land from there. You can get to my articles that are at Firearms News there. You can get to all my past history. You can get to my old War on Guns blog. So that, that, that's essentially the clearinghouse if, if you want to keep up with what I'm uh, doing. And from there, also, you can see, uh, you can join with me on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media. I'm on Gab. I'm on uh, Donald Trump's uh, Truth Social uh, and MeWe. So basically, waronguns.com. Thank you.
1: Well, David, thanks again. And keep up the good work. Pleasure talking to you, Dean. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at buckeyefirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.